I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zcast production and want to send huge thanks to the whole Zibby Books team for their support. Find me on Instagram at Alicia F. Miranda. I would love to hear what you thought about the episode, future jobs you want me to profile, or the burning questions you think I should ask my upcoming guests. And if you decide to quit your day job, let me know. Hello, welcome back everybody to Quit Your Day Job. I am really delighted to be here today with the co-founder of Alloy, a telehealth company that's on a mission to bring safe and effective solutions to everyone experiencing menopause. And with us today, we have Monica Molinar, a serial entrepreneur and advocate for frank talk and common sense solutions around women's health and wellness. I am so here for all of that. <laughs> I'm so glad. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> At age 40, Monica tested positive for the BRCA gene and elected to remove her ovaries prophylactically to reduce her risk of breast and ovarian cancers, thereby ending her natural production of estrogen overnight and sending her into surgical menopause. This began a multi-year journey trying to make sense of all the misinformation and lack of clarity around this phase of life. Monica has had a phenomenal career. She's a graduate of Stanford University's Graduate School of Business and a lifelong New Yorker. She now resides in Rotterdam in the Netherlands with her husband and two teenage sons who we just discussed before this call started. Don't force her to go to their sports matches, which seems to me like maybe she should give some parenting advice as well <laughs> as life and career advice. So Monica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad you're here. Now I had given you a top five for our little warm up section to figure out your top five dynamic duos in business. So do you want to give that a go? Well, it's funny that you say that because I actually looked up the top five, you know, sort of female business dynamic duos and came up totally empty handed. I Googled it. Wow. <laughs> and I was really shocked to see that there were no articles about, you know, women entrepreneurs. There are some about women entrepreneurs, but not partnerships. And the one that really came to mind was SoulCycle. You know, they, the, but I don't know anything about them personally, really, and what their relationship was like. So, Really, my answer is that the, the best dynamic duos certainly in my life have been my best girlfriends. And I have one friend in particular who I met the day before ninth grade. And with the exception of the times that we've been, you know, having some like sisterly fights, we've pretty much <laughs> spoken on, on the phone every single day since then. So oh, for, you know, that. more than 30 years. And th those are the types of duos that I think lots of women have actually that really help, you know, get us, keep us strong and get us through the days. That's so those, that's important to me. So I gave you an impossible top five. Yeah, pretty much. Five. But also I, this is the second business that I've started and both times, you know, I, the partnerships that I've had have been so important and I couldn't have done it without them. So 
Unfortunately, my partner, Anne, couldn't be here today, but she is a tremendous partner and someone who, you know, I've, I've really grown to, to love and admire, but have respected from the beginning. And that's, I think, why our partnership is so great, because we do have a really good mutual respect. I totally trust her. And that's really what you need. That's so beautiful. To, uh, I love that. Be a duo. <laughs> So, I mean, both you and Anne have like ridiculously impressive CVs and careers. So why don't we start by telling me a little bit, how did you guys come to find each other and what was the birth story of Alloy? Yeah, so it's funny. Anne and I have really different careers, actually. I took about 10 years off to be a stay-at-home mom, more or less. Within that time I did, within those 10 years, I worked full-time and I and I worked part-time and then I didn't work at all. And I sort of, you know, kept going in and out, whereas Anne pretty much you know, built her career from the beginning and really rose to pretty great heights. And the interesting thing is that what actually got me into entrepreneurship in the first place was that I wanted to get back to work, but I was 40. I had just had the surgery, you know, and I didn't want to do the same thing that I had been doing sort of 10 years earlier, Mm. which was working in marketing for design companies, furniture company, a custom rug company, et cetera. And I really was having a hard time finding a job because I couldn't, I I didn't fit sort of, you know, in the, as a junior person, I was 40 years old and I had had a lot of work experience and also life experience, but I wasn't experienced enough and hadn't sort of, you know, kept my career going for those 10 years. And so I couldn't really run somebody else's company. And so basically I decided that if I needed, if I wanted to get a job, the only way I could get the experience was to start a business myself. And that's how I ended up starting a company called Seed and Mill which is in the food business, in the food industry, in Chelsea Market. We started by opening a small shop and now it's, it has nationwide distribution, both online and through retailers like Whole Foods and Erewhon in California and, and you know small retailers all around the world. So that was an amazing experience. But at a certain point, you know, it sort of had run its course. I started that with two other women and we all, we had sort of similar skills, which made it a little difficult because we were sort of stepping on each other's toes too much. Mm-hmm. And it, it just meant that somebody needed to kind of take it forward and the other two of us stepped aside to, to give, you know, the person who would be taking it forward the room. And I, I didn't feel that that was, I didn't want to be that person basically. So mm-hmm. I spent a summer thinking about kind of what I wanted to do next. Um, My dad had also just had a a really bad fall and was suffering with traumatic brain injury. And I just needed some time to kind of, you know, be with my family and, and think about sort of what my next move was. And in that summer, we got a puppy, which was the first big thing. My kids had been asking for, you know, all the like years to get a puppy. And I had always said, no, I really can't manage yet another responsibility. So true. But the puppy changed my life and we were on vacation and it turned out that Anne and her family were in the same place and had also just gotten a puppy that kind of looked just like my puppy. And, you know, we met like literally walking the dogs. Oh my God. I love um, it. Yeah. What kind of puppy you have, you have to describe a labradoodle. A little mini. Mine's a mini and hers so is, cute. I think, a cockapoo. But at the time, they looked the same now. Hers is like <laughs> as big as mine. But yeah, it was so cute. The dogs really loved each other. They were the same. You know, they were both like eight weeks old. I mean, we, and and of course, we, the two moms who hadn't wanted the dogs, were out at 630 in the morning walking these dogs. 100% and, relatable, yes. <laughs> you like walking and talking. What's better, right? So basically, we started. We went deep pretty fast. We we Every morning, we were out walking the dogs. We just started talking about, you know, what 
like, what are you doing with the rest of your life? We were both in our mid forties and I had had this experience with going into surgical menopause and, and I'm very interested in like food and cooking. I cook to relax. That's sort of my, you know, my happy place. And I'm, I'm pretty careful in the sense that like, I don't like to eat junk food and, you know, and especially at this age, like I gained a lot of weight when I went into menopause Mm. and it was really hard to get off. And that was upsetting to me. And, you know, one of the big sort of symptoms that I had that like, I had to get all new clothes and I, you know, I was like, I I don't want to be in this place. And so it, it took me years to really work through it. And it was just around that time that I met Anne and I was like, we need to help other women because I'm pretty smart. I'm educated. I'm living in the middle of New York city and I cannot find the solutions to, you know, or sort of people to really help me support me. I had gone to so many different doctors and every doctor gave me a sort of a different answer on like whether hormones were safe and effective, whether, you know, what, what you should eat, what other things you could take, what, you know, like what to do and just sort of give me the time of day. And so, Anne was at the time, the editor in chief of Mary Claire magazine. And, you know, I was like, I think at the very least there needs to be a content site devoted to this. Right. And her response was like, content is really, really difficult. (laughs) We need to sell something or, you know, have an actual business And so we, you know, we just sort of started brainstorming about it and did not think that we would get into, I mean, really tried everything that we could to avoid going into telehealth and pharmaceuticals and, you know, because it's so difficult. Mm. But really at the end of the day, you know, the thing that, that saved my life and got me back to feeling like a normal person was estrogen, menopausal hormone treatment. And, and that is the science that sort of is really needs to be amplified because there was a study 20 years ago that gave everybody a lot of fear around estrogen and breast cancer that has been fully walked back, but the fear still pervades. And we just felt like we can't be in this business of menopause without actually addressing the thing that is sort of the elephant in the room that women really need to know about. Because from a quality of life standpoint, from a prevention standpoint, from a, you know, just so many reasons to to know about this really important and very safe and effective treatment. So that's a long story. It ended up that we, you know, we went from like walking puppies to starting a telehealth company. I love that. <laughs> and here so we are. Much. We still like each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's amazing. And I, I will say that I confess that like for forever, I knew nothing about menopause and yeah. I still probably no, no yeah. not so much but it yeah. does and i'm you know i'm getting i'm getting older i'm getting closer <laughs> but it does feel like there are all of these new conversations that seem to be happening in yeah. in social media in a lot of more public spaces around women's health that maybe weren't happening 10 years ago yeah, why do you think sure. that it's kind of coming to the forefront now well i think you know gen x is here we've arrived at this stage of life the oldest millennials are also kind of arriving there as well. And we're all digitally savvy. We're all, you know, young and working and thriving, or at least feel like we are or can be at that phase. You know, I'm 48. I certainly don't feel, you know, like my grandparents probably did or thought of themselves at 48. I do still need to work. I want to work. I want to be engaged. I have young children. Like, you know, I I have aging parents who I also need to be, you know, helpful to et, et cetera. And so like, you can't, you cannot do all of that if you don't sleep through the night for years, or if you're, you know, you're, and which 
from a mental health standpoint is, you know, really damaging. In addition to a lot of women feel anxiety and, and depression and like we're the most prescribed group of, for antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications of all age groups, women between 40 and 55, which, you know, I just don't think that women are actually so, you know, they don't need to be so depressed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like there are treatments and there, and there's a reason why all of these things are happening. And it's all really due to the loss of estrogen, which is biologically something that women need. You know, there are over 400 estrogen receptors in your body and almost every tissue of your body. So if you're not, if the estrogen isn't filling up those receptors, you're going to have symptoms. And every woman has slightly different cocktail of symptoms. There are some women who skate through, although you don't know if you don't have symptoms today that you won't have them in five years from now because things change. And so um, it's just something to be aware of. And I think that now that, you know, we, we're all like people like me being in this phase, I don't, I'm not afraid to say the word vagina anymore. You know, like it's okay. We can talk about it. We all have it. We should be able to, you know, speak frankly and get the solutions that we need without shame and stigma. It's so awesome. And it's, you know, you have this, have been on this path of entrepreneurship. And I think it's so incredible because a lot of people have ideas about businesses they want to start. And for a lot of various reasons, don't end up starting them. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Did you always want to start your own business? Like when you were a kid, were you like with your lemonade stand in the front yard? I wasn't because I wasn't confident enough. Honestly, like it really got me to the point or I, I had to get to the point where it was sort of my only option, but it was the option that I wanted to do. But, you know, it also like, you know, I didn't make any income for several years. Mm -hmm. And so we also had to be at a place where, I mean, at the point that I became an entrepreneur, I wasn't, I already wasn't having an income, you know, so it was just like, okay, this is going to be a few more years. But right. the idea was that at least I would then sort of have experience in the industry or the space that I wanted to be in to be able to get a paying job if that's what I wanted, which is what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and that's kind of what I did, you know, which is also exciting just for me to feel that I was able to achieve that, especially after being 40 and after not working for the better part of 10 years and, and having the experience of being a stay-at-home mom and sort of doing that fully, like I do feel lucky that I've been able to sort of, you know, have all of these experiences. But at the same time, you know, I needed to be at a place where I felt like I could do it. And if I wasn't doing everything so successfully that it wasn't going to sort of destroy me as a person, you know, or how I felt about myself. And I think just confidence and self-esteem is, is tricky and it ebbs and flows all the time. I mean, even when you are achieving great things, like you still have those days where you feel like a lump of coal. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think it happens to all of us. And the confidence is so key. I mean, for years I worked for a big bank and was very involved before having kids in the group women's council and all the diversity inclusion. Those all talk about on ramps and off ramps and how to make it easier for women to come back to work after they had had kids or come back to work after they'd taken time off. And it was all bull, frankly, because when it actually came to a large company being prepared to hire a woman who had taken a long career break from having a family, and it was almost always women and not men that had taken that time off at the time, you know, every, every single thing was stacked against them. So 
on the one hand, like amazing that that spurred you to start your own business. But on the other hand, be nice if people were doing better after talking about it for so many years. A hundred percent. And it, and it's really difficult to start a business and, you know, and you, you do have to sort of get some guts, you know, it, the, the person who I sort of first started Cedar Mill with that really gave me that ability, I think, to just like jump off the cliff and, (laughs) okay, we're going to try, we're going to do this, you know, and, and that's what we did. And we like literally, you know, went to Chelsea market and, and did a whole presentation about what we were starting when we didn't have, we had not incorporated a business. We didn't have a supplier. Like we didn't, I mean, we had sort of ideas of what we thought we could put together, but then we, we got a lease and then we're like, okay, let's start a business. Got to do something. (laughs) We got to do it. And then we, you know, we just really were scrappy and built the store and, and it's, and I mean, to this day, I, I can travel. I've been like in Ireland. I've been in all these random places where people have are like, oh my God, Cedar Mill. I love Cedar Mill. That's amazing. How gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. I was camping with, with my family a few summers ago in um, Mendocino in California. We were doing a road trip and like the kids went to go to this clearing to watch the sunset. And then I, I went to join them and they had, were talking to a dad and, and two kids. And we got to talking like, where are you from? Where are you from? And they're from New York. Oh, we're from New York. And, and I don't even know how it happened, but he said something like, oh, I'm best friends with the founder of Seed and Mill. And my kids were like, wait, but our mom is the founder <laughs> of Seed and Mill. What are you talking about? And it turned out that they were, happened to be good friends with my partner and, you know, what a random. small world. And it's a tiny business, but, you know, it made a big impact. And, and that I think also, you know, gave me the confidence, but also the recognition that people, you know, were like, oh, she, you know, can do stuff. (laughs) And so that sort of helped me get to the next place, which is exactly what I was hoping it would do. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So the startup world is notorious, not always friendly to women. Mm-hmm. What has your and Anne's experience been like in kind of embarking on this new initiative? Really amazing and lucky and, you know, sort of fortunate. Like we've gotten some great opportunities that we then have made something of. So, you know, I think there's a lot of luck and a lot of work that goes into, you know, making something, driving something forward. So I basically, you know, Anne and I met, I approached Anne, we had a couple of meetings, didn't really, I was still really engaged at at Seed and Mill for the most part. And she was 
fully employed at at Mary Claire, but she she met our first investor just by chance. Her her old boss had asked her to meet with him because he was looking for press for what he was working on, and so you know they met kind of she didn't even really want to because he was like a 29 year old guy who, Mm -hmm. you know, doing sort of non-female related businesses. And what did that have to do with Mary Claire? So, but her, her old boss said like, trust me on this one. I think you should meet him. And so she did. And he was talking about, you know, really being interested in life stage businesses and, and businesses that are solving problems for, for people where there's sort of some shame or stigma or friction associated. And she said, what about menopause? No one's talking about it. And he said, I've been looking for a menopause company. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's brainstorm. And like, and she called me and she's like, um, <laughs> not sure what just happened, but I think we may have an investor. Do you want to go into business? It was, you know, a slight oversimplification, but not that much. And so, you know, we we met with him. We started just sort of brainstorming and and basically they ended up in investing in us and incubating the business. So that was really great. I think, you know, now we're really at a stage where we have to start raising more money. We had to get some traction and we did have a lot of conversations with some investors sort of only six weeks after we had launched and, and we didn't have enough traction. And I think, you know, while a lot of people want to invest or support women's health, mm. You know, it's not, it's like, if you have a women's health business in your portfolio, like that's for a lot of people enough as opposed to like eight fintech companies or, you know, like, so I, so we'll see. I mean, you know, I think it's definitely, it's hard. The, The market has sort of shifted under our feet a little bit as well with, you know, all the stuff that's going on in the world. So we just have to keep going, pushing forward. But the good news is that we're doing really well and, you know, people are receptive and women are really yearning to be listened to. And that's Tell what me, we're there. like what, like at this stage of the business, what is your average day like? So you and Anna are in different countries. So yeah. you're working in different time zones. Like what, how do you guys kind of organize your days? Well, our whole team is remote at this okay. point because we really did, we started and quit her job officially December 31st, 2019. So we really started working oh, great in timing. <laughs> Great timing. Fantastic. It was amazing. We went to the office for like six weeks, our investor's office, and then she got COVID. We had oh, no God. idea, of course, for months, but she she had COVID. And, and from then on, we've been remote. And now we have about 15 people on our team, all in different places, time zones. We're sort of like from... The Philippines to California via Europe, New York, wow. Chicago. So that's really interesting and kind of amazing that we've been able to build the team in this way so that we're really kind of hiring for talent and fit as opposed to location. It just opens up the, you know, the world so much more in terms of that's the pool awesome. of employees that we can get, which is great. It's challenging because, of course, you don't have the same sort of workplace culture that you would otherwise have in an office. But I think it's it's pretty productive. And, you know, we have some new moms. We have an expectant mom. Like, you know, and everybody is able to sort of work their schedule around both their lives and the needs of the business. And so that's helpful, myself included. But basically, we, we as the entire team checks in every day for 
once, once a week for an hour and the other days for 15 minutes, you know, we get sort of updates on the different teams. So I think that also puts everybody in contact with one another. And then we've, we're about to have our second offsite onsite in New York where everybody who can from the team comes together and we spend, we have a dinner and then a day of sort of collaborative working and then they go home. And I do still go back and forth to New York where I will never, I think, fully be able to separate myself from. So I'll be there for three weeks and be able to, you know, actually see Anne and our, we have a COO, Stacy, who's, who's also fantastic. And somebody that I met also at the, I'm a pretty friendly and chatty person, as you can probably tell. I so see. I just like <laughs> talk to people and find out their stories. I'm really curious and I think that that's been helpful for me. And, you know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, like you have to be comfortable talking to anybody about your ideas, about, you know, what you need, what you can offer, et cetera. So, you know, it'll be good to be with those guys and spend some time in person as well. You spoke at the beginning about how positive the partnership experience has been for you. And I totally hear that. And I think I, I just think it, it works so well. And I know so many, even just smaller ventures that have started up between two brilliant partners that work well together. And it's not always women, but oftentimes it is two women working really well together. But what are the biggest challenges about going into business with a partner? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of challenges you have to be. And my first partnership, there were three of us, as I said, and that was actually even more challenging because of sort of the triangulation of it. But I think that there are some things that you really need. You, as I said, you need to trust the person and and believe sort of respect their thoughts and decisions and opinions. And, you know, so there has to be a really, it's basically like getting married, except that you actually spend more time together and talk more <laughs> about things. And, you know, like there's a lot of responsibility, shared responsibility. I wasn't friends with any of my partners before okay. we started which I also think is important. I don't think I could go into business with a friend or a good friend because, you know, there's, there's just, it's not worth it. It's, it's really difficult. It's a tough relationship. And like at the end of the day, while I would love to chit chat with Anne and we really can, and sometimes we have to, you know, we have to really like keep ourselves on track because we, we know everything about each other's lives and families at this point it's enough. You know, you spend all day together or do it's so intense. Like you need to be able to separate as well. So I think that going into business with a friend or a, a or a life partner, like a husband or a spouse is really tricky. And, and there have been some really great examples and some people love it, but like, then your whole relationship is about work basically. And, you know, I think that's too fatiguing, you know, and, and you have to be willing to also say like, I'm sorry, or you're right, or I'm wrong, or, you know, or fight for kind of when you want to have things a certain way, but always really be respectful of the fact that it's of your partner and your partner's sort of wishes and intentions. Cause I think that there's a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong or for mm -hmm. there to be sort of, you know, ill, ill will, or just mis miscommunication and stuff. And, and it's a bummer when that happens because you everybody is spending so much time working on this thing, you know, it's sort of everybody's baby. And so it's just a really important relationship to kind of mold in a positive, effective way. Yeah. 
but takes a lot of work. I'm smiling because my last business before I kind of switched into the writing and I guess podcasting host duties uh, was set up with my husband and we ran it together and we're still both on the board. And I really hear you. I think when I started, I said, the first thing that has to happen is you can never, ever be my boss and you can never, ever tell me what to do. And we got into a good groove with it. And he went on and started some other things. And I branched out and did some other things too. But I think boundaries were like the toughest thing at the beginning. Like completely what you said really resonates with me. And sometimes it would be like 11 o'clock and he'd be like, do you want to talk about that email we got from a client? I'd be like, no, I don't (laughs) want to talk about that email we got from a client. And it's definitely really challenging. But you know, as as you said, it can be incredibly rewarding to have someone else to shoulder the weight of this really challenging mm-hmm. job with, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I could do it on my own, also, because I really need the discipline of being responsible to somebody else. And you know, maybe that's that's partially my personality and sort of needing that sounding board. Obviously, there are plenty of people who want to be the boss and want to have the final, you know, the last word. It's just not really who I am. So I like to start businesses that have a personal resonance for me that feel really important and a problem that I want to solve. So like Cedar Mill, the problem or the thing that I was interested in was nutrition and how we feed ourselves and, and you know, sort of providing better alternatives for people you know, that they might not have other discover, otherwise discovered that also gives some joy and happiness. And, you know, it's just like a, a cool thing. It was a nostalgic product. And, and obviously with, with Alloy, like the whole menopause experience and how destabilizing that was for me. And now, I mean, we, we run these weekly support groups, for example, on a social platform called Revel, which has been really revelatory and fun. And, I mean, almost every week there are women who are crying because they, you know, just haven't been validated in their, in, with their symptoms and they're really suffering, you know, and and I know, I understand it because I also really suffered for a long time. And I mean, not sleeping through the night is a killer. It's a killer. It sounds awful. It reminds me of the early days of having my twins and thinking the whole world was going to crumble around my feet. It is. It's kind of like that. And I think, you know, back to your question of, you know, why now? Why are women having these conversations now? And I think, you know, we started having those conversations when we had babies. That was the beginning of sort of this ability to actually engage. And, you know, thanks to Brooke Shields for, for shedding light on postpartum depression, which I certainly had the blues, mm. you know, the first time around and I, and, and nobody talked to me about it or anything. So, yeah. you know, I think it's, we've, we've sort of like there, there's, a, there are all these perimenopausal Instagram, you know, influencers and stuff who are like, I don't give a fuck anymore. And I think that's, you know, a lot of us are kind of at that point, like, what's the point of giving a shit about what other someone else thinks? Like, I need to solve this problem. It's amazing. And I need to feel better. I feel so grateful. No, I feel so grateful that like this stuff exists because I think being able to find solidarity with other people and then to find products that meet the needs that are specific to what you're going through is, you know, there, there is questionable what a great time to be alive this is or not. But I think those things make this a really great time to be alive because I had, I had my kids earlier than a lot of my friends and felt very alone in a lot of things. And I see my twins are 10 now and like flash forward, I see people being so open and vulnerable and honest about the difficult things that they're going through. And I'm just like, 
amazed that that exists. So I'm glad y'all are ahead of the curve with menopause. So when I get there, I'm going to have plenty of resources to look to. Well, that's the other thing. What's so funny is that, you know, millennials are used to having all of these things kind of solved for them. I mean, you know, the whole, when I was, I'm, as I said, I'm 48, so it's not that old and it wasn't that long ago that I had my kids but fertility and, and options around fertility and, um, breastfeeding and, you know, postpartum and all that stuff, like really they weren't there. So shame on me for not thinking of this earlier, but back to the confidence point I made. Uh, you've done, you've <laughs> done it, ready now. For it You're ready yeah. now. Monica, this time yeah. has like flown by. I have loved talking to you about your experiences. I always like to ask people at the end what advice they might have. And I know this is like a big question because, you know, you, you've been through a journey with your businesses and starting your businesses. And there are so many different elements of alchemy that need to work for people to be able to start a business. But I do think a lot of people have a good idea. Maybe a lot of people feel like you did when you were coming back to work after having your kids that they don't want to go into a traditional path or they can't. What advice do you have for people who are maybe thinking about some great idea or a solution to a problem and they want to start their own businesses? I think my biggest advice is talk about it. So talk to anybody you can find who's willing to listen about your idea and get their feedback. A lot of people are afraid to talk about their idea because they think that somebody's going to steal it, which is, I mean, you know, I think probably never happens. And if they do steal it, then good for them because really it's, there are no unique ideas in this world. It's really all about the execution. And it's funny. I said that to Anne at the, at the beginning of this, when we started working together and you know, in the, in the meantime, like we've basically seen our, our ideas and things that we've said almost word for word on other people's websites, because it's, it's just who does it first, who, you know, who does Mm -hmm. it best. And I find, I have found that the thing that has really made it possible for me to start these businesses is talking to people, being friendly, asking for feedback, asking for advice, you know, and just don't be afraid to talk to people. And you'll be amazed at, what you can learn and how fun it is to have those conversations and how it propels you forward. Whereas otherwise, if you're only talking to yourself, it's very hard to get out of that rut. Such good advice. Monica, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you and about Alloy online? So our website is myalloy.com, M-Y-A-L-L-O-Y. And we're also on Instagram and I've been really trying to become a TikToker lately. So (laughs) so we're also on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, that's where the message is getting served these days. You know, people are, are on it and looking for information. So, so those are the biggest places where, and Revel also, we're running these, these, you know, these groups and we're also having our chief medical officer, Dr. Sharon Malone is doing sort of ask me anything's about menopause and perimenopause on, on Revel as well. So those are all places where you can find us. Fabulous. Well, I cannot wait. Well, I can wait until menopause, but then I can't wait once I have it to be able to use your stuff. We're here for you. And to see where you guys go. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I am Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. Am I wearing sweatpants while I record this? You will never know. This podcast is all about dream jobs, the ones you wished you had when you were a kid and the ones you pin up on your vision board. I decided to chase after my dream jobs in 2020 by taking unpaid internships at four of them. I quit my job as CEO of a philanthropy consulting business to try my hand working on Broadway, in fitness, as an art dealer, and at a hotel. 
And then I wrote a book about my experience, which will be out in 2023. I am psyched to share my story with you, but in the meantime, I'm bringing you a few others, real people who work really cool jobs. So before you quit your day job to go be a painter or an actress or a life coach, listen in and see what it's really like behind the scenes. Mm-hmm.